to Football Pod with Paddy and Andy, our new weekly Gaelic football show with Paddy Andrews and Andy Moran. And you, Paddy Andrews, when is the last time you took a fucking penalty? Download the OTB Sports app and subscribe to the GAA podcast feed now. The OTB Podcast Network. Oh, the shite that will get. You can all the fans there. Can we not lock it? It's a fact. I am not playing mind games. I am talking about facts. I always said if I was Aladicci, I would probably say I was more of a tactical genius. The answer questions on anything. Uh, religious, politics, uh, health, you know, sexual uh, problems. Look at his face! Just look at his face! None of you, except for those two, have done anything to justify the money that you earn. None of you. Disgrace! And I suggest you shut up and show more football. Yes, it is Friday. It is Team 33. Welcome along to the Football Happy Hour here in Off The Ball. Before we get into tonight's show, a letter was sent to Aaron O'Reilly and to Gary Cook after last week's show about the football walking tour in Dublin. If you missed that show, you can podcast it in the OTB Sports app. It is a fascinating chat. We chat to Aaron O'Reilly and to Gary Cook about the history of football in Dublin, the North Side, Shelburne, Bohemians and loads of interesting characters along the road in the North Side of Dublin. But the letter they got is about the story of Jimmy Hasty, which is absolutely fascinating. We might actually do a piece on it very soon. Hasty lost his arm at age 14, but he went on to captain Dundalk. He scored a heap of goals and even scored against Zurich in the European Cup before being brutally murdered by the UVF in 1974. So it's a story well worth telling and we'll look into guests for the coming weeks to try to cover that as well. But we are talking about Harry Kane tonight because the Tottenham striker said that he has wanted to leave Spurs at the end of the season he is said to be unhappy with the club's failure to match his ambition with winning trophies and apparently had a gentleman's agreement with Daniel Levy that he could leave at the end of the season if they hadn't won anything so we're going to discuss that we're going to discuss whether he should leave the club the value of the trophy and the best players who didn't win a major trophy in their career or didn't achieve what they should have with their talents Willow Callan, Colin Bouig, Kieran Bradley are all on the line with me now Colm this story isn't one that re- should really come as a surprise to Spurs fans. No, it shouldn't be a surprise, but um, <clears throat> I'm going to stick my neck out and say I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I think he'll be a Spurs player next season as well. And uh, I see um, resemblances to the Wayne Rooney saga at Manchester United from circa 2010 when he said he handed in a transfer request. And I, rem- I remember the yellow bar in Sky Sports News and it was the biggest deal, even the concept of Rooney leaving United. And I think that was on a Tuesday. And then by the Friday, he had signed a new contract. This is obviously going to be much more prolonged. And as The Athletic reported this week, Kane has made it known to Spurs for a long time that he wants out. But I have a feeling that Daniel Levy is going to be Daniel Levy here. And he's not going to let Kane go to another English club. And I don't think Kane wants to go abroad. I can see Kane going abroad in his 30s. He strikes me as a guy... Um, who's going to play well into his 30s and I can see him playing in MLS and uh, just generally having sojourns around around the world when maybe his kids grow up a bit more and he, he feels freer to do that. So I think Kane's love of football will keep him in the game for a long time but in terms of his prime years, he's 28 now, I really feel strongly that Kane is going nowhere mm. and I also feel strongly that to what we're going to be talking about on today's show is that Kane is going to be one of those players who not quite in the mathematician mode of not winning anything, but his trophy list is going to be so mediocre compared to his talent. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's going to happen by the end of Harry Kane's career. He's not finished. He's only 28. <laughs> <laughs> 
This actually there. Yeah, well, that's it. This this actually reminds me more of another Man United striker than Wayne Rooney. It reminds me of the transfer of Robin Van Persie to Manchester United, in that he was 28 years old. He wanted to win more trophies than he had done at Arsenal, and the stepping stone was to Man United. And United were really struggling at that point in time for that main focal point up front because Wayne Rooney was sort of moving in and out of the wing and into midfield as well at that point. People were questioning whether United should be spending this amount of money because it's crazy to think that you know he went for twenty eight million at the end of the, at the end of it uh, to Man United and people were like, oh god, twenty eight million is a crazy amount of money to be spending on a twenty eight year old striker who has had injury problems. Harry Kane has had a fair few of injury injury problems as well, especially his hamstring. So, Kieran, you're looking circuit one hundred twenty million here for Harry Kane in today's market. For a 28-year-old striker, yeah. it, but is he that type of trans, transformational striker like Van Persie who could go to United or could go to City or could go to Chelsea and immediately win them a title? Yeah, it's, like, it's an interesting comparison with Van Persie because I think the, 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 the diff, there's a couple of differences with Van Persie as far as he had one year left on his deal at Arsenal. Harry Kane signed a six-year deal three years ago, so Tottenham kind of have the whip hand in the sense of if they want to keep him, they can keep him. Um, but obviously it's the question of whether you want someone uh, unhappy in the squad, particularly after he's gone out publicly or at least semi-publicly with it. Um, in terms of him being a transformational striker, uh, yeah, he is. Like, uh, And uh, again, the slight difference with Van Persie as well is that the season that he left Arsenal, at the, uh, sorry, the end of the season in which he left, that was the first full season he'd had kind of unfettered by injury for, for probably six or seven years, just to memory. And Kane, I think, it's an interesting one when it comes to the fees because where he sort of made this proclamation kind of the end of last season, um, I think a lot more teams would be in a better financial situation to to kind of go in, probably Chelsea, given the way that they were spending last year. And um, so when you're trying to gauge a fee, it's actually very difficult to say um, what he's, his value is because uh, obviously it's so depressed at the moment. So um, in terms of what he'd go for, I'm not sure. Transformational, yeah, he certainly is. And like the thing is, if you'd asked me sort of 18 months, two years ago, whether a club or your club should sign Harry Kane, if you're in a league club, the injuries would have been a lot more of an issue because he seems to have kind of had a bit of a renaissance in the last 18 months, really. I know it sounds strange given his goal-scoring record, but to be able to stave off injuries and to kind of transform his game a little bit to make sure he's not getting these constant, you know, constant ankle injuries that knock him out for a, a significant portion of the season. So I think now it's a case of really which clubs he's best suited to and He's obviously been mainly linked with City, uh, Chelsea and United because there seems to be an, an understanding that he wants to stay here. Um, Chelsea, uh, I just don't really see him going to Chelsea personally. I think he's probably a l- little bit too loyal to, to Spurs to see that happen. Um, City, I think he's probably better suited to than, say, someone like Erling Haaland to Pep's system. And I think if age wasn't a factor, that's the, the striker that Pep would choose rather than the club. And United... I, I, for some reason, I've just got this feeling of like grim doom around him going to United. I just feel like it would be a bit of an issue. Injuries might start flaring up. Um, I don't know whether that's just inherent pessimism, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see where he goes because as Colin says, there's a good chance he stays there as well. Mm. Yeah, United are an interesting one because obviously they have confirmed Edinson Cavani for another year. Rashford's still coming through. Greenwood is starting to develop into a, a, a better player than he was last season. And it doesn't seem like there is room for him at United, especially with the wages that he would sort of bring with him on top of 
the likes of David De Gea on top of Paul Pogba, Bruno Fernandes, probably get an improved contract. It would be a lot of top-heavy contracts at United for older players, Will. It would, but you'd be guaranteeing that you get a striker who scored 20-plus goals over the last seven seasons. And a lot would probably depend as well on where Manchester United see Marcus Rashford's eventual position being because it seems that playing wider on the left and also putting Greenwood into wider positions too is the way they want to go for now. You know, Edison Cavani has shown how important having a striker that can actually play as, you know, essentially as a, a... a striker that can occupy in the number nine position is really important in terms of how it works. I think United work a lot better uh, when he's playing there as the focal point as opposed to Martial. And Martial can also still play in the wide positions too. I think if Harry Kane became available, Manchester United would be crazy not to try and go into the market to try and sign him. He could dovetail perfectly with Greenwood and Rashford as well. And look, whoever is going to buy him is going to have to break the bank because Daniel Levy will happily sit over the two years to left in this contract at the end of the summer. We've seen him extract top dollar from teams previously. You just have to look at Manchester United with Berbatov even when he wanted to leave and Gareth Bale with the money that Real Madrid paid. The thing is, if the market wasn't depressed, as Kieran said, every top team in Europe right now realistically needs a number nine. Um, Maybe with the exception of Bayern Munich, who are going to stick with Robert Lewandowski for a bit longer and try and squeeze the last bit of football out of him. You know, Outside of that, who's a better number nine in Europe? At this stage, Harry Kane has got four or five years on Lewandowski and on Luis Suarez. He's the best pure number nine in Europe. If Barcelona or Real Madrid had the money, I'm sure they would love to sign Harry Kane. But I would imagine Harry Kane's preference would be to stay in England. My own personal feeling is that Manchester City might not sign a striker this summer, despite the fact that they're continually linked with Erling Haaland and also with Harry Kane. You know, Pep has been talking about internal options there. Potentially Kevin De Bruyne could play at number nine. Ferran Torres showed against Newcastle recently that he can maybe play in a more central position than out wide. And Guardiola even name-checked him as a potential replacement in-house for Sergio Aguero. And maybe City could go back to playing uh, Gabriel Jesus again. So I'm not sure if maybe Man City's need is quite as much as Chelsea seem to desperately need a number nine uh, given that Timo Werner has fluffed his lines maybe they'll decide to stick with Werner or or Havertz through the middle next season but I can't help but think that if anyone was to be a perfect location for Harry Kane albeit he probably wouldn't go there Chelsea may well be the perfect place for him to go I'm going to strongly disagree with that I think we're going to see a different Timo Werner next season I think he's going to be Exceptional, and I think he's he's got a hard uh, a hard enough uh, run of it this season, Timo Werner, because I saw like he's won the most amount of penalties this year. He's got a fair few assists. He's not a centre forward. That's the problem that people came with the perception that Timo Werner was a centre forward. He's not. He's more of a winger, and he's doing his job quite well. He just needs to get a bit of confidence. I think that will come next season. In terms of Real Madrid, they seem the best suited for Harry Kane right now because. He wants to win major trophies. He will do that at Real Madrid. He wants to potentially win the Champions League. He'll, he potentially could do that at Real Madrid. And Karim Benzema is in his final years at the club. He, I think he's signing one more year with Real Madrid, and then that's about it. So I think Harry Kane is perfect for Real Madrid at the minute. And the English clubs, they're going to spend too much on him. And he will what's, sort what's of... What's too much though, Enda? Like, is Neymar money that crazy for Harry Kane, given the boost that he would give potentially to the English clubs and the fact that you're having to take him away from Tottenham, who we know are so resistant to selling? Like, is 200 million really that unrealistic or would it be overpaying for Harry Kane? I, I think it would. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut across. Uh, just it, like, he's 27. And, and, and like, we're seeing a trend or have seen a trend in the last few years of 
27 being older than we might sort of have perceived like you know it's the kind of the Fernando Torres the kind of Michael Owen sort of thing where players come through a little bit younger and I know Harry Kane in fairness at the top level came in a little bit later but I do still feel that like it's a big risk um he's he's one reasonably serious injury away from being cropped um seriously big wages like uh, if, if it were my club I would be far far preferring going for like a, a younger a younger talent no I'm not Haaland's the one that's always mentioned Haaland for me would be an absolute no-brainer if you're the like of uh, Real Madrid or whoever it might be but yeah anyway so I didn't mean to cut across I, no I, I, I would have made the exact same point as that I sorry, take Kane, I, sorry I, I take Kane in a nutshell Kieran for for United I, I'd over anybody like I think I wouldn't mind the money you spend on him even if you get two years out of him that's two unbelievable seasons and also he's a serious footballer like he he says himself, he prefers playmaking than scoring, which is mad for a guy who's obsessed with scoring goals too. It's so funny with Kane. Uh, my brother-in-law is a Spurs season ticket holder, and he says like for up until as recently as maybe two years ago, he was convinced Kane was just going through a really really prolonged purple patch and didn't really think he was good enough. Because remember when Kane first burst onto the scene with Spurs? Yeah. He didn't burst yeah. onto the scene yeah. at all. Everyone was like, ah, he's just an academy kid, and fair play to him for doing well. Oh, he's that guy who went in goal that time in the Europa League. Oh, that's cool. And like, oh, he's good for a goal every so often. And it kind of like the way people originally saw Calvert-Lewin at Everton. Um, but he just burnt, like he just became the player that every academy player wants to become. Kane actually realised that dream. And you can see how just how much better he is than everybody else. And Kieran, like, I, I'd take him over. I honestly would take him over Erling Haaland and Kylian Mbappe for United just for the next two years alone, and then go back in for those boys, because they'll be two years older with two two years more experience. And I wouldn't worry about the money you'd spend on Kane at all. Yeah, they've got plenty of the people like you running the super clubs across Europe, Colm. That's why, Barcel- matter, like, that's why Barcelona are in a billion euro of debt. Yeah, uh, no, no, Barcelona are totally different story <laughs> completely than English clubs. Uh, English clubs can spend, like the likes of United, they can spend away, like, the Glazers are, don't have money and they spend. There's no yeah, problem with that. Like, that can be it's done. Not, it's, not, it's not smart business, though, going oh. in for a 28-year-old striker that you can't sell on at the end of it. Like, it's yeah. not smart business to get into football at all, but while they're there, they might as well spend some money or spend That's some fair. more. That's fair. The only thing I is, think... Andrew, there's probably a few years left in Harry Kane, though. I know we're kind of yeah. stressing the fact he turns 28 this year, but Harry Kane has never really been overly reliant on explosiveness or pace, which finished some of the players that came in for big money to England and transferred within the Premier League, say Fernando Torres, once his hamstrings went, he lost so much of what was so important about the way he played. Uh, same with Shevchenko. These are all warning signs to Chelsea in terms of signing players around that age profile. But Harry Kane is a player who's more about his movement and about his cleverness as opposed to you know injuries where you know, they're going to catch up with him. Like he's had, as Kieran said already, you know multiple issues with his ankles, but yet he comes back and gets to exactly the same level again. Harry Kane's the type of player who, a bit like Luis Suarez, could play well into his mid-30s and still be very effective. Mm. So if you're assigning Harry Kane, you're potentially getting four or five seasons from him, I wouldn't be that concerned by his age. Yeah, fair enough. I think this brings us on to our question of legacy and trophies and glory and what it all means in football because uh, Joe Malloy touched on this on the news round the other day, which was quite interesting, talking about how he thinks that Harry Kane genuinely does care about his legacy at Spurs and that potentially he may not want to go to a rival club because, I mean, he he is, as they sing, he's one of our own. He's he's Tottenham through and through. He's come through the academy and he does care about 
upsetting those fans with um, with moving to another club that's close to London or close to uh, a, a close rival in the league. But he does want to go and win trophies. So what we're going to do tonight, and I, I give you a very, very loose bill for, for doing this, is talking about the players who haven't won a major trophy or haven't won enough major trophies that their talent probably justified. So that's the, that's the uh, categories that I'm giving you. That's the uh, criteria for it. So let's start with a fairly obvious one. And <laughs> Whatever you want to say about his current off-the-field ac- uh, actions, on the field, he is the best footballer to watch on YouTube, by far and away, the best footballer to watch on YouTube. And that's Matt Letizia. Unbelievable player, incredibly skillful, did outrageous things with the ball, but didn't win major trophies because he stayed at Southampton. So it, it'd be quite similar to Harry Kane in the sense of Harry Kane staying at Tottenham. If he doesn't win anything, he'll have seen be seen to be the player that sacrificed his great talent for the glory of that one club, even though they didn't have any glory. So, Matt Letizia, Will, I know you had him on your list. Why does he make it? Yeah, I, there's something very English about this, and maybe that's why Harry Kane is going to add to the list, because... You've had people like, say, Tom Finney and Johnny Haynes back in the day where they were seen as players who were among the best of their generation but decided to stay you know, with their boyhood club and wouldn't leave despite the fact they had offers to go elsewhere. And similarly, Matt Letissier is a player who should have got more England caps than he did, even though he was coming through at a time where England had plenty of good midfielders. But also, he is up there as one of the very best players to play of his generation. Like, Letissier is a player who won't be defined purely by the amount of goals that he scores or the amount of assists that he had, but the beautiful football that Matt Letissier played for Southampton. Again, though, he said that his loyalty to Southampton meant a lot more than winning trophies elsewhere. And he said he probably wouldn't have enjoyed his football as much and maybe he would have expected to play in a different role if he'd had to go to a so-called bigger club further up the league. The Letizia was able to enjoy uh, being able to, you know, waltz around the pitch and do his magic as opposed to he would have probably expected to work a lot harder elsewhere. But like Letizia would definitely have won trophies and would definitely have, um, you know, probably been even more fondly remembered and not been a cult hero if he'd gone to a Manchester United or Blackburn in the mid-90s when he was at the absolute peak of his power. But like a remarkable player and a player who deserved to win trophies and and sadly didn't. Mm. One club heroes are a real thing in football. It's something that fans love and something that they can get behind. Toddy is another one that you can think of that, you know, just stayed at the club. It's a very old school way of thinking and I don't think that exists anymore because of the manner in which players are very much entities to these clubs now. So they might not even have the opportunity to stay at a club if they want to. Colm, Letizia, right or wrong to say Southampton, though? That's my question. And uh, you were saying Totti there. I was thinking Tony Hibbert. What a hero. <laughs> he didn't, uh, didn't Tony Hibbert, uh, side Tony note there, didn't, 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 didn't he score his one and only Everton goal yeah. on his last game? Hippo scores, scores, we riot. That was the... It was like a kid's birthday party. They like, go on, score a goal there. And then yeah, he it was, was his there. last game, wasn't it? Yeah, I love yeah. Tony Hibbert. I, yeah. Huh? His last game that he scored. All right. It was, it was one of his last games, I think. Uh, but anyway, the best last Tony season anyway, for sure. on YouTube is uh, it's the Hibbert Shuffle, and he has the ball in the right back uh, position, and it's like his own version of a showboat. It's unbelievable. I highly recommend any aspiring right backs to go and check it. He's um, the image of Vladimir Putin as well. Whoa. 
so <laughs> you didn't dictate the right wing though as much as Putin does. End of that. See you later. See you later. No, the question was this year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I. Um, yeah, Will was right to throw him on. I mean, this whole pod could be called the Matt Letizia conundrum, or that's definitely what's going through Harry Kane's mind now. But uh, Letizia was like, uh, I wouldn't say beautiful failure because he didn't fail at all. He made the most, he made the absolute most of what he wanted from his career. He he was in control of the whole thing. And then ironically enough, of course, he could have gone to Spurs, I think more than once. Uh, I also found interesting with Letizia that the prime of his England career was in 1998, ahead of the World Cup, when he was definitely past it by then. Because if you go, um, if you go on a YouTube uh, rabbit hole with uh, wormhole with um, on Letizier, uh there's a lot of footage before the Premier League, and he's really nippy. He's like a nippy forward, and he's a bit of pace about him too. So he's an unbelievable player before the Premier League. But Jesus, and like you said, there the best YouTube player, like the highlights, his two goals against Newcastle in one of the first big uh, night games in Sky Sports. And uh, I know, like, it's it's basically a toss of the coin between it, what your favourite goal out of those two is with the volley. And I love the other one where he flicks it behind him and flicks it over and it's scuffed. Mm. And the Street Fighter billboard in the background, it's just, like, filled to the brim of 90s nostalgia. And Letizia is central to that. So I love him. I absolutely love the fact that he stayed where he is, stayed where he was the whole his whole career. And then that goal against Arsenal at the Dell too, just, you know, in the last mm. game there. Just, and he was like out of shape and overweight. And it was just, but he just completely relied on his own natural ability. His strength and conditioning was non-existent. His diet was McDonald's. There was one, um, there was a one capture of him just before the match starts and he's yawning. And then he just goes, you know, barely moves in the pitch and is just like ferociously talent, talented and never inhibited with that talent. And uh, I just love him for that. And he absolutely would not exist in modern football. He would be shunted no. way down the leagues. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love the fact that he was prime time TV at that stage. Uh, I love that he stayed there. I, I actually have another uh, player that I'm very fond of, but I, I leave until we go on to the next one. But Letizia is right up there for me with that player that I'm going to mention. Okay, so, okay, we'll come back to that. I do think the volley, the, the flick off from the free kick, might be one of the most outrageous goals ever scored in the Premier League, or was that? It might, have, it might not have been the Premier League at that point, but if someone, if Messi or like Kevin De Bruyne or Bruno Fernandez scored that now, I mean, you're talking, I mean, ten million views on YouTube that night because mm-hmm. of, like it would, be, it was, it's so outrageous to attempt that. Not not only to like actually execute it to the manner that he did it was absolutely incredible. I'm going to throw a name. This is this is going to be controversial now. Uh, but it, it has shades of hurricane, and that's why I'm throwing it in there. Alan Shearer. He won the Premier League. Hear me out. Yeah. He won the Premier League, <laughs> won one trophy of the Premier League. That's it. Premier League. Arguably the best striker to ever play in the Premier League. According to the Premier and, League. And, yeah. and, and he only won one Premier League. And then... Because he decided to stay at Newcastle United, he didn't win anymore. So, you know, shades of Hurricane there. It's Hurricane in reverse, though, isn't it? So it's when kind of the pivotal moment comes in his career, he decides to go and become a hero at his boyhood club, eventually gets a statue outside, becomes their top scorer of all time, still goes on to be the Premier League's uh, top scorer. But the fact is that Shearer had already won the major trophy by winning the Premier League at Blackburn mm-hmm. when he made that decision. That Harry Kane's decision now would be about moving for ambition, while 
Shearer made the decision when he had multiple offers. Like he could have went and played for Barcelona under Bobby Robson. He could have went to Manchester United on more than one occasion. He's told the story recently that he was actually close enough to going to Manchester United, maybe closer than we'd first thought. And then he made the decision to go to his boyhood club. I think it's easier to do what Shearer did than what Harry Kane is looking to do now. Because Harry Kane, if Spurs ever win anything after Harry Kane leaves, Harry Kane will feel ridiculously guilty if he's left and missed out on the chance to do so. But he's leaving because he wants to fulfill his own ambitions. Yeah. Well, I think for Shearer, that decision was that bit easier because he already had a Premier League medal in his house. Yeah, I, I suppose I'm being a bit facetious with Shearer, but I did choose him on purpose because, again, he is an example of maybe if Harry Kane stays at Spurs that the sheer talent and goal, goal scoring ability you can transcend the idea of what a successful footballer looks like because I mean nobody is going to turn around and tell you Alan Shearer was not a successful footballer because he's the all-time leading Premier League goal scorer he's is he still uh, one of the top goal scorers for England I think he's in the top five at least um the Newcastle United statue outside the ground that's what awaits Harry Kane at Spurs if he stays there realistically or potentially down the line, there'll be a stand in the new in the new uh, London Stadium named after him. So, Karen, does he do what Alan Shearer does, or does he go and fulfil his own personal ambition? Well, so when when Shearer left uh, Blackburn in '96, he was going to not like not the Newcastle that we would know of for the last ten years. He was going to the one that was sort of competing for the Premier League. So it was it was an added factor in that as well. Like you, you can potentially win trophies with your with your boyhood club. So um, look, I, I think it's given Spurs a lot of credit really um, to think that. Uh, if you're Kane, that if you stick around, then the kind of back, you know, the backroom shenanigans and the kind of structure of the club is going to be there to to support you. When there was a period, obviously, under Pochettino, when it was very clear that he was one of the most um, revered coaches in Europe, albeit hadn't won anything at that point, um, that they didn't back him. So there's like an inherent um, shooting themselves in the foot of that club that I don't think Kane would be wise to really pull, you know, Trolled his cards into that particular uh, into that table, but yeah, like, like, I think I think it's I, I I do see him leaving this summer. Like I I don't think that this is a ploy. I think he, like he's already on that massive contract anyway. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a case of wanting to lock himself in. Um, I think he should. I, I, I think I'd go abroad if 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 the possibility was there. Uh, even a case of. Um, it's tricky though, like having said that, because he's not 24 or 20, you know, 23. Like the next one has to be the spot on move for him. So like if that means having to stay for a summer and then go to maybe Real Madrid or Barca when the financial implications are a little easier, then all the better. Um, sorry, you caught me off guard because I slightly went down a mental wormhole thinking about Tony Hibbert. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I remember like, I used to live in Liverpool and went to Goodison with a few mates uh, one time. He was, uh, he was, Hibbert was playing at right back and there was no man near him for about 50 yards and out of nowhere, he just wallops it like like long ball like, out, out, went out for a goal kick. And this guy from behind me just stood up and went, that's it, Tony, lad. Stick to plan A. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, oh God. Like, but you're right though. The, the one club man is, is definitely um, an enticing prospect and I think really since, it sounds silly, but since like Roy the Rovers went out of, you know, fashioned <laughs> it's less of like a, a kind of cultural touchstone, but um, no, I think I think Kane really should leave now because the, the mm. fact is, 
players like consistently don't match his ambitions. They consistently don't do it. And like, uh, just the, the Pochettino's Mourinho thing was enough to really go, right, this is a basket case. Like anyone with any sort of sense of uh, football would tell you that you had the best manager for the job there. You just needed to back him, even if he was going through a fallow period. And I think that, you know, that relationship that Kane and Pochettino had um, was very strong and probably, I think, undermined uh, Kane's trust in Levy and the club. Yeah. <laughs> I, if you ever want to go on a Tony Hibbert discussion like it, it doesn't it doesn't matter what we're talking about like i'll, I'll happily talk about he, he the liverpool fans used to sing tony hibbert he looks like a shoe it's <laughs> absolutely amazing yeah. uh, okay tony hibbert aside i do think it's quite funny the the one club man idea yeah it it actually it stems itself in the tradition of football but people forget that the reason they were one club players was because they weren't allowed to leave the club like there was no transfers. It wasn't up to the players. It was up to the owners of the clubs, whether the players left or not. So um, I, I think the tradition of one club men is slowly being eroded rightly or wrongly in some points. But yeah, it's it's nice when you have a one club person who's a really good player. So it'd be disappointing for Spurs, obviously, if they lost Harry Kane, to, like outside of the obvious of 25, 26 goals a season. All right, we'll take a quick break there. Colm, hold your thoughts on the player that you want to throw in. We'll get that after the break. Team 33. This is OTB Sports Radio. Right, welcome back to Team 33. So we're chatting Harry Kane's future at Spurs, and it led us to the discussion around the best players who have never won a major trophy or those who might have underachieved with the talents that they had. Get involved with the conversation tonight. You can text us on 53106 or you can tweet us at Team33. That's all spelled out in words. Colm, you've been waiting a while to get this in. So who was the person that you wanted to throw onto the list? Yeah, uh, sticking to the Spurs team, kind of. Um, one of my favourite players ever, right? Never to win a trophy, I checked. David Bentley. Oh, I love, love David, David. and she hates me, David Bentley. If the reaction to his name, hear me out, lad. Let me do okay, my bit. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll let you get played your case first. Right? The goal for Arsenal at Highbury against Middlesbrough that was one of the first things he ever did in senior football where he chipped Mark Schwarzer and then he went down to the tube that night to go back home and he had his hood up. and Everybody around him in the carriage was talking about this kid, David Bentley. So, what a start to football. Uh, he broke through at the time of the Invincibles, so he had the hope of getting into that team. Any other period, modern Arsenal history, Bentley would have been a fixture in the Arsenal team. Arsene Wenger wanted him to stay, but he was like, no, I'm going to play football. I know that I'm good enough. And then he goes on loan to Norwich. He's way too good for that Norwich team in the Premier League. They go down, but he excels. And then he goes on loan to Blackburn. Is the first player in Premier League history to score a hat-trick against Manchester United. And then they make, they make that move permanent. And he excels at Blackburn to the point where he signs for Tottenham Hotspur for 16 million pounds in 2008. Yes, I have written about him, so I know all this. Mm, right. Yeah. He, right, scored an unbelievable goal against Arsenal at the Emirates, right? He scored an unbelievable goal away to Reading for Blackburn, where he runs half the pitch on the right-hand side, and it's like outside the right foot into the top corner. My point being is that David Bentley could have been David Beckham. He could have been if he kept his head down. And why? And before you come in, right, the most important point for Bentley, Right. <laughs> He walked away from it all and he could have stayed to collect the money. There was mm. nothing wrong with him. He was totally fit. He was fine. He went off to play in Russia, first English player to play in Russia, came back, 29 years of age, could have made loads more money for another seven to eight years, walked away because he didn't like it anymore. 
didn't like yeah, didn't really football. And uh, his only honors list, right? I have it here. I'm going to confirm again. He is honors Tottenham Hotspur Football League Cup runner up 2008 2009 against Manchester United. They lost in penalties. He missed one of the penalties. <laughs> so, uh, keeping a team there with his uh, failure. And then Blackburn Rovers Player of the Year 2006 2007. Mm. That's it. And his only other award was walking away from it all when everybody had stayed. A man, a man okay. like a man, a man after his own heart ender. Yeah, I, I have, I have several things to say about this. Uh, <laughs> David, David Bentley, he, he hated the game. He, he owns a restaurant now in Spain. That's what he does. If anybody wants oh, to know what David that. Bentley is doing right now, I'm going to guess that's in Marbella or in Malaga, probably. It was Marbella. It's somewhere. Mar- is it Marbella? Yeah. And he had a restaurant um, as well, but he got rid yeah. of. And he has his own flooring business now. We did a we did a podcast a couple of weeks ago, fourteen thirty three, on the best cult hero. It was basically when the Premier League Hall of Fame was uh, became a thing when invented by the Premier League a couple of weeks ago. The we did the cult hero Hall of Fame, and there were several members of that Blackburn team that were part part of the cult hero Hall of Fame uh, inductees for the first week because they are the ultimate Barclays team with Mark Hughes in charge of them. Martin Gams Patterson, Yakubu at one point in time. David Bentley. David Bentley is the Diet Coke version of David Beckham. That's yeah, that's Diet Coke's very popular drink. There was a big ads campaign in the nineties. <laughs> would be absolutely chuffed to be compared to David Beckham, not for the footballing skill, because the fact he's been trying to like model himself yeah. on the man yeah. the last. Mm-hmm. His right foot was unbelievable. Yeah, you have to give me at least that. Like his right foot was sensational. Like his right foot gave him a career. And he was one of those guys who didn't really have a position. He was kind of, kind of on the right-hand side and then moved into the middle. And uh, I don't know what era of football was right for him, but it wasn't when he played anyway. He needed to play it, earlier. Was it a pig or a dog that they cloned for the first time um, back in sheep. the... Was it a sheep? sheep? Yeah, sorry, yeah. sheep. Yeah, yeah, sheep. Yeah. So, like, David Bentley is what happens if you try to clone David Beckham. He's just uh, yeah, but not, not quite as fit, not quite as good looking. As well. It's like a yeah. fly container as well or something yeah, but, um, yeah he's, he's a funny one because he, he definitely try and chat your girlfriend up in front of you like why, why? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Bill Hurley and uh, Kieran's like Eamon Dunphy is like ah Kieran you can't oh, be kidding that's a that's a ridiculous statement right he um, <laughs> <laughs> lads he was a great player like just YouTube him um, unbelievable like and like Spurs fans talk about him very warmly like you know, for mm. a guy who really succeeded Spurs. Uh, that Arsenal goal alone, that's an, it was an outrageous attempt. Uh, but his career pretty much ended when he then got the Harry Redknapp. You, you can't cross the floor, you can't go from Arsenal to Spurs, like, without it saying a little bit of something about you. I don't know, yeah, I just... William Gallas did it, uh, Saul Campbell did it, and look how they turned out. So... Oh. Jeez, I wouldn't be putting William Gallas in the same bracket as Saul Campbell, but... Uh, again, Adebayo this... did it. Adebayor did it as well. This has gotten more loose than I expected it to be. Let's let's move on to the final one. I, we only have time for another one, I'd say. And it's one that's on your list, Will, because I he exploded at one point in time. I can't remember what season it was, but he was he was very old at this point. Uh, uh, Antonio Di Natale, he mm. scored like a, an amazing, he had one amazing season for Udinese a couple of years ago. Was it, oh, geez, it could be 10 years ago at this point in time. But he exploded and then he never really did anything with his career. Yeah, he's um gives a lot of kind of hope to late bloomers, Enda, given that 
most of his best football was after the age of 25 and his really best football was after the age of 30. He scored 120 goals in Serie A after his 30th birthday. He was twice Serie A top scorer in his 30s, one player of the year in 2010 and managed to just miss out in terms of his Italy peak so that he didn't win anything meaningful with Italy either. So... And Di Natale's best football came after the World Cup was won in 2006, when realistically he should have been at his peak. But he then played right through till the European finals in 2012. And Italy then, of course, missed out winning the championship when they were beaten by Spain. And all of Di Natale's best football was pretty much at Udinese. He had a spell at Bologna as well. But effectively in his best years, at a time when the bigger teams in Italy wanted to sign him and Juventus were continually interested in him, he decided to stay loyal to Udinese. And he said that it was a choice for him. that He felt happy at the club and felt no need to go and chase trophies elsewhere. So for a guy who scored a remarkable amount of goals to have won 40-plus caps for some very good Italian teams, Di Natale should have won some trophies along the way and maybe it was his own pick-headedness in staying with Udinese the costume but he was a remarkable footballer again a guy a bit like Matt Letizia who was never going to win any awards for his conditioning was never going to make a, a run at breakneck speed but his movement and his finishing was just remarkable and he was a player who was still lethal well into his mid-30s a remarkable player and like there's another Italian that I had on the list as well in a similar vein on this one, Enda, just in terms of being a really unlucky guy. And that was Pepe Signori, who played against Ireland at the World Cup in 1994. He played in six of Italy's seven games, lost the World Cup final to Brazil, a little bit like Di Natale losing it in the European Championships final. He was also a three-time top scorer in Serie A. He scored pretty remarkable, 117 goals in a 50, 150 games for Lazio. And then after he left Lazio, in the four seasons after that, they won Serie A, the Coppa Italia and the Cup Winners' Cup. So maybe if when we're talking about Harry Kane, he left the club at the wrong time. Lazio went on to be really successful after he had been brilliant for them for about five or six seasons. Mm. Yeah, it was 09, 010 and 10, 11 that Di Natale broke through. Yeah, 29 goals in 09, 010 and uh, 29 goals or 28 goals, sorry, in 2010, 2011. So it was, it was the, those two seasons that I was referencing that he just completely exploded onto the scene. Um, you make one quick point there about Harry Kane which is quite interesting. And I have a theory that the reason that Spurs are even considered to be part of the Super League or perceived to be one of the Super Club or the Big Six is largely down to Gareth Bale. Because if Gareth Bale does not have that massive explosion of his career, they don't get into Europe. They don't do amazing in the Europa League because of Gareth Bale. They don't sell Gareth Bale for a hundred and... 20 million, 110 million at the time. And they don't make that leap into the top six without Gareth Bale. Harry Kane could be a player that gets them enough money to make another leap because I think that's what's missing with Everton at the minute. They don't have one player that's going to absolutely catapult them into the next the next level. And that's why they haven't been able to break into the top six. No matter how much they, they spend on players that are really good, they don't have that superstar like Gareth Bale was for Tottenham to really just transcend the league at all. So Harry Kane, 120 million. If you invest that right, Tottenham could be <laughs> could get two to three players that could make them take that leap forward that they've been struggling to make over the last couple of years. They didn't invest it brilliantly when they sold yeah. Bale though. I'm just thinking of the they, guys that they, they signed. They did Soldado was most of the money sure, and he sure. was a disaster. Christian Eriksen was the good one obviously. Um, yeah, Vertonghen, I think Coco Lamella was part of that. 
uh, spend afterwards as well. They brought Ericsson in five, five or six players, and oh, I think Ericsson, in, Ericsson was the in, only absolute. Yeah, they brought in winner. seven players, and I'd say about three of them were successful. But, but again, you're even, making the leap into that where you're actually, but like Tottenham were not a, a, a club that could could have done that though without Gareth Bale. So, but it was it was Harry Kane's. <clears throat> sorry, just on that point of the because they invested so badly, it was Harry Kane's emergence that kind of dug them out of that mire that allowed them mm. to you know to to gently shed the likes of Soldado and Paulinho and Chiriches and stuff. So uh, yeah, no, I know it's a reasonable point. I think actually um, Tottenham and Real Madrid have some form of actual link, like you know a, a, a commercial link anyway, which would. would to my mind, when I was looking at the Super League, I was like, I'm fairly sure this is a significant reason why they're in the mix for this as well, uh, as opposed to some other clubs. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, again, it comes down to management of the club. Like, if you're Kane, uh, I, I wouldn't really be trusting Spurs to spend that money, especially wisely at the moment, and indeed necessarily at all. Um, I think, you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just I think Spurs are in a, a real bind at the moment. Um, they're, they're not especially well run uh, in the last couple of years. There's a lot of fan unrest, and there'll be a lot more for for Levy to deal with if Kane goes this summer. Mm-hmm. Before we finish this, then Leicester were FA Cup champions a couple of weeks ago, and there's this question now whether they're going to finish in the top four this weekend. We will find out if if they're going to. Brennan Rodgers and whether it's a success is being questioned and it sort of ties into the idea of winning trophies and what trophies mean in comparison to finishing top four. Gary Lineker said on Twitter that he would much prefer FA Cup victory or FA Cup triumph with Leicester than finishing the top four. A lot of people getting on on the back of that saying absolutely football is about glory, football is about trophies, that you should always go for the trophies instead of going for a, you know, a, a fourth place finish if it means Champions League football. So I suppose my question for you, Colin, would be FA Cup or top four football? FA Cup, but if uh, Leicester City want to keep Brendan Rodgers long-term, they need Champions League. That's not going to keep The FA Cup won't keep him. Like He thinks he's a mm-hmm. Champions League manager and he, probably, and he is a Champions League manager. He deserves at least another goal at uh, the, a club at the same level as Liverpool. And I think he will get that goal as well down the line. And um, I don't think Leicester are going to fulfill what we're talking about. Spurs not fulfilling Kane's ambitions. I think that's the same problem that Leicester have with Rodgers. If they miss out in the Champions League um, in the next week, that's big news for Leicester. Like, that's not going to be great. Like, Rodgers is going to start looking around. He's not going to be satisfied with the Europa League unless he can really win the Europa League for Leicester. And maybe he does that. And maybe that brings him on to the next level. And he does a Jose Mourinho at Porto and wins that first and then wins the Champions League. But... I'd be a bit worried. I don't. Th- I think the FA Cup will be for Rogers. He'll say, "That's what I gave you. Your first ever FA Cup and your fifth attempt." And uh, best of luck to you. Now I'm going to move on. So, but as a fan, like if I was a Leicester fan, like what the last five years to win the Premier League and then to win the FA Cup because the Champions League, they did it the following season after winning the league. I think they got to. Did they get to the quarter final? They beat Sevilla in the last sixteen and yeah. then lost to Atletico, wasn't it? Well, yeah. yeah. And um, that was that was a great journey. But like that's almost forgotten. It's the Premier League and now the FA Cup. So for, as a fan, no question the trophy. In terms of your club's ambition, you need Champions League if you want to keep mm. the best team around. Okay, I'll round this off by going around the room. Will Harry Kane stay at Tottenham this summer or no? Stays one more year. Kieran? No, he'll go. I think he'll go to City. Kieran, or Colin even? Stays five more years, at least. Oof. 
Oh, so he's going to retire at Spurs? Oh, he's going to move to move abroad, but he'll have an end of career move like Steven Gerrard to LA Galaxy style. Interesting, interesting. We shall see. Harry Kane, will he or won't he be on the move? Text us on 53106 or you can tweet us at Team33. Colm, Will, Kieran, thanks very much for joining me tonight. Thanks, lads. Cheers, lads. So that is all we have time for on this week's Team 33. Really hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks to you as ever for listening. Thanks to everybody who got involved in the show tonight, Colm, Will and Kieran as well. If you want to podcast that show, if you missed any of it, you can get it in the OTB Sports app. That's the best place to find us these days, the OTB Sports app. It's available in the Google Play Store or Apple Store and you can download it, subscribe to the podcast channels that you want, get notified every time a podcast goes live and all of our articles are in there as well. It's a one-stop shop for all your OTB content it's absolutely brilliant it's well worth downloading and having it in your app arsenal so we will be back again in the same time in the same place but until then ihawa august takeaway johan (laughs) 